recorded on Monday, January 20th, 2014, in St. Louis, Missouri. This Agile Life, episode 33, Wanted Posters. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me today is Amos King. Good afternoon, John. We're recording awfully early today compared to our normal time slot. Oh, yeah. It's it's super early. We've got something special. It's right in the middle of the day for Amos and I, which is okay, which is great. And we do have something special, as Amos said. Joining us today is special guest Ben Linders. Ben is the co-author with Luis Gonzalez of the book Getting Value Out of Agile Retrospectives. Ben's an independent consultant helping people with Agile and Lean at BenLinders.com. Ben, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you? Uh, very good. Thank you, John. And it's nice to be on the show. We are pleased to have you with us. And as you guys out there in our listening audience might imagine, since we have the pleasure of Ben joining us today, we are going to be talking about how to get value out of your Agile retrospectives. Ben has teed us up with a uh, couple of great discussion topics for today, and we're going to go ahead and jump right into those. The first one you've put on our list today, Ben, is why would teams do retrospectives? I think that's a, a great question, something that maybe we don't regularly think about since many of us are already practicing Agile. We maybe never even gave it a moment's thought to think of well, heck, why would we do these Agile retrospectives, uh, retrospectives in general? Ben, why do you... Hey, John, before we... I'm sorry. Before we jump into this first question, in case some of our listeners haven't heard of retrospectives, uh, Ben, could you give us a definition of what an Agile retrospective is? Uh, yes, I can. Basically, a retrospective is a practice which teams use to reflect on their, their way of working and... Uh, to continuously become better in what they are doing as as a team, so it's a, a, a practice which is done in in Scrum in Agile to just take some time to look at how you're actually doing your work, and what you can improve in the way that you're working as a team, and that's basically all what it is. And it leaves open on how you do it. It leaves also open how often you do it. Although most of the teams. We'll do it uh, every sprint, every iteration, but you can actually do it more frequently if you would like. Very good. That's a, I think that's an excellent definition. Amos, is there anything that you'd like to add into that definition since you requested it? No, I think that that definition. Very good. Let's go right back into our topics with Ben. So Ben, why would teams want to do retrospectives? What do you, what do you, how do you advocate for retrospectives? Well, what I, I want to, to touch on with the question, why would teams do retrospectives is what's the big difference between uh, retrospectives, if you would compare them to a post-mortem or project reflections or project wrap-ups of 
whatever that many teams uh, have been doing already. And I think the biggest difference, if you look into the retrospectives, is that those retrospectives are focusing upon the team. So they're not focusing upon uh, learning for the organization or reflecting on the project, which could be done in the next project, but they're bringing benefits directly back to the team who's doing the work in, in NTL, who's doing the strong work. It also means that they're part of the self-steering uh, that the team has, the self-organization, how they can do their work, how they can organize their work in there. And I think that's what, what makes it important to do retrospection there. And I think it's very important that teams are, are aware of this. If I go to a retrospective of the team, I always make them aware that but what we want to get out of this retrospectives are actions that the team members can do, that the teams can do themselves, and what they are uh, want to do differently in the next iteration, instead of reflecting and looking back what the organization can learn from that, or what needs to be done in the organization. I want to hear what teams can do themselves. And I think that that's very important. When you are doing agile retrospective, I think that that's something that teams should be aware of when they are doing a retrospective. It's a it's an important activity, right? Especially as you mentioned, Ben, around the the concept of uh, self organizing. It it does give the team the opportunity to make changes, improvements, uh, etc. To what it is they're doing on a on a daily weekly sprint basis whatever period of time and uh, it's an important time for that team to focus and reflect uh, reflect on improvements that can be made Mm -hmm. that's that's true and i think it's not only an opportunity but i think it also gives some responsibility to the team as the team is responsible for that way of working and uh, to improve that way of working uh, the team needs to take time out to, to reflect on how they've been doing and find opportunities in there to, to learn and improve. So it's not just an opportunity. I think it's also a responsibility of teams to do the retrospectives and to get better in what they are doing. So um, I, I think that, that most teams, especially ones that want to improve, would have no problem jumping in and doing retrospectives. But what about like some managers who... You know, you're telling them that once a week I need you to take the team offline for two hours to not not work on um, on technical uh, value, but to to work on on their inter interpersonal interteam relationships and and how they're working. Uh, have you ever run into managers that are that don't want that to happen? No, to be honest, I I haven't. Uh... I've been working with many companies already, uh, used opportunities to reflect and to improve, uh, mostly in, in projects, either in iteration projects or at the end of the project. So it was common for them to do these kind of sessions. But I think also uh, if a team is, is truly working agile, which means that they are planning and tracking their own work using, using Scrum board and seeing how they are doing, then they should also uh, plan and allow themselves time to learn and improve in there. And it would be strange if a manager would object to that because I don't think that's a way that a manager should be managing agile teams in there. What, what I like to see is the other way around. I would like to see that managers say, I want teams to do retrospectives and I want the team to take learning out of that and I want to see my teams improving. 
and managers should be getting worried if teams are not improving and if they're not taking the time to do it. And actually, that's something that I have seen happening more often. The teams say we're uh, under such a stress to get things done and to get the work done, so we're not taking the time to do retrospective. And in that case, I think you uh, manage to say, well, we need to take time for that, and you need to do the retrospective. It's interesting. I, um, sorry, Amos. It's interesting, Ben, because I think that Amos and I have probably both been in circumstances where we've had one of two ends of, of that spectrum going on where you might have a manager that says, um, yes, we want to do retrospectives, and then a team that says, why? Because we don't see the value in them, or vice versa. A team that says, we want to do retrospectives, and a manager asking why we don't see we don't see the value in those retrospectives and uh and then us as agile coaches agile leaders having to intervene and help those groups identify the reasons why retrospectives are valuable and the improvements that can be made and the optimizations that can be made and the performance improvements that can come from taking amos as you said an hour two hours three hours a week or per sprint to reflect and and make that continuous self-improvement. Ben, has it been your experience where you've had any pushback from either the team or management regarding conducting, holding retrospectives? Well, I've seen some teams initially that had difficulty doing retrospectives uh, where they had uh, difficulty seeing the benefit of doing them so frequently or where they have been doing retrospectives for a couple of iterations and weren't really getting any benefits out of it, and then wanted to stop to do retrospectives in there. I've also seen teams who were used to, to working in projects and focusing upon the delivery deadlines that, that they had from the projects and being aware that as the situation was at that point in time that they wouldn't make the delivery deadline, the final delivery deadline for a project, uh, wanting to skip the retrospective. And I have some, uh, had some discussions with those teams and make it very clear to them that in an agile way of working, it's important for a team to do the, the sprints and to deliver uh, working software at the end of a sprint to the best of they can and to be able to, to improve that on every sprint. And they shouldn't be worrying whether they're going to make uh, the deadline uh, six or seven or eight sprints from there. I think they should be focusing much more on improve themselves continuously as a team because that would actually increase the chance that, we, that they would meet a deadline at the end. Being focused by not meeting a deadline and skipping retrospectives, I think it's, it's going to work or it's going to backfire on them. Miss, what do you think uh, about what Ben said with the team and, and how skipping so we, retrospectives um, could possibly cause... Uh, could actually cause the team to to miss the deadline as opposed to skipping the retrospective, helping the team make the deadline. So the the times that I I've actually seen teams push back was yeah, it's a looming deadline, but usually a looming deadline when I find um, the retrospectives are not um, going well lately, whether they're they're too emotional or um, the maybe don't have a seasoned facilitator who's able to help them move along through their thought process. Uh, and I, I found that one way that I can break that down and, and get people to want to continue is say, hey, look, well, 
let's just have a short retrospective and pick one thing that we're going to change this week. And that's a, another rule that I try to instill in retros is that um, you, you have to be willing to try something until the re- next retrospective. So if more than half of the team wants to try, try some new thing out, then you have to say, yep, and I'm all in for it until the next, re- next retrospective. And that's, that's the only rule that I uh, try to impose whenever I'm, I'm facilitating retros. Excellent. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, Yeah, I I recognize that the most important goal of the retrospective is to find some things where the team says, we see a need to improve this and we want to work on that in the next sprint. And I I think it's up to facilitate to help the team to find those things and and to find a way to do them in, in the next sprint. So for me, if facilitation doesn't stop after the retrospective meeting, but continues into the next sprint to help the team to actually do the improvements that they have suggested and to work on that. And and I prefer to have just one or two actions than to have the team work on that. Although I've also seen situations where the team picked up five or six actions and was able to do them in the sprint because they were really aware of what they wanted to do and they they were able to divide the work up within the team to take care of those actions. But rather do, do just one or two actions and do them good to get some more benefit out of it. And I also find that when teams don't want to do retrospectives, that's when they need it the most. Usually they don't want to do them because they're maybe because they're avoiding uh, a specific like elephant in the room that has occurred or some situation, right? So they're like, they feel that there's this looming conversation that they're, that they may be facing and and about to have, and maybe they they want to avoid it. Um, And that's, that's, that's a common behavior that I've seen anyway. Maybe they don't um, feel that they can say whatever they need to say in the retro too. Like if you if you feel reserved, like you're you're not allowed to speak your mind, um, that can be bad. And I know that um, in Ben, you're in Louise's book. You you have a whole lot of exercises, and you talk about trust a lot in there. Is there any specific exercise that you think works really well for building trust in a team so that they can be open during a retrospective? I, I think there's, there's some exercise in there which can help you to build trust in there. I think one of the exercises, because it's an easy exercise in there, is, is the sailboat or the boat exercise the team can use in there. It's, it's that simple that they can immediately discuss what, what is helping them to go forward and what is blocking them in their way of working. So that can be an exercise to discuss if there's a trust issue in there. You can do some check-in issues actually to check the trust level in there by just doing the boat on having people to state how they trust the team and how they trust the meeting and how they feel right now they can, can speak out. So there's specific exercises to do that and to check the trust in the team level. And, and, and they can help in there. Yeah. Things what I've seen, it, it can be a team, but it can also be the perception of the team that they don't see any room to, to change anything in the way that they are working. and that They don't feel that they are able to self-organize and change the way that they are working. And, if that's the case, I think that's where our managers to step in and say that they have the, uh, the possibilities to change their way of working, to self-organize their work, and that, that they're actually responsible to do that. So, Ben, do you, speaking of managers being a part, do you think that managers should be in the meeting, in the retrospective meeting, or should not be? Or like a mixture? 
I, I think it's usually a mixture. Most situations, I prefer to start with retrospectives without having the manager present in there. I, it usually makes the, the team members feel more comfortable and more at ease to speak out and how they feel about things in there. But if there's any issues coming up in a retrospective which involve either their manager or, for instance, a product owner, I think then it's important to get them into the retrospective and the planning meeting together with them. I've also seen organizations who do a regular retrospective with the team and every uh, one to two months or three months they do a bigger retrospective with many of the stakeholders involved in there where they're addressing different issues. That's also a practice which can work very well. Uh, I wanted I, to I, oh, follow ahead. up with you on that because uh, Amos and I have had this conversation on the podcast before about including and excluding managers. And I also wanted to get your opinion on having a um, impartial third party facilitator as opposed to using the project lead um, or senior developer or agile coach as as the facilitator, what do you usually recommend that teams do? Should they get an external third party impartial facilitator or start with someone from the team? Uh, I think this is something which differs a lot from, from team to team. And we actually had a, a big discussion on that on the, the ACL retrospective group on, on Yahoo recently on whether you should have an independent facilitator on a retrospective meeting or have the team facilitate them. I think in the long run, it's best if the team is able to facilitate retrospective. I've seen teams where actually uh, two or three people from the team could facilitate retrospective. So, so it doesn't even have to be a scrum master, but there were multiple teams in there. Uh, I've been working in several teams where each of us would facilitate retrospectives. And depending on the issue at hand, they just one or another would, would facilitate the meeting and do it. I think when you run into a situation where there's something where the team is really struggling with finding a hard time to to, to really get a view on that and to, to, to dig into deeper, that, that I think where an independent facilitator can help and, and use questions or use any other technique with the team to dig deeper into issues. So if, if you're in a doubt whether the team members are able to facilitate the retrospective, then I would initially go, to have an external facilitator in there. And by the way, that could be a scrum master of another team just joining in and facilitating retrospective. It doesn't have to be an agile coach. It could also be another scrum master, as long as the person is independent to the team, of course. Amos, what's your preference there? We I don't know that we've you talked about it. you think it's important it. to switch? Oh, sorry about that, John. Uh, my That's preference okay. is that um, I, I think that the best retros that I've ever been involved in is when the team said we need a retro and went and did it with no facilitator and just got it done. Uh, that being said, I think it's good to regularly have an external voice who's not sitting there with the same day-to-day pressures as you to uh, help each other talk. Uh, I also find that it's, it's really good to, I, I believe, switch facilitators uh, every once in a while, um, pretty regularly actually. That you get different different ways of of guiding the team along throughout the retrospective meeting. Just just because it works for part of the team doesn't mean it works for the entire team. The interesting thing there with switching facilitators is that uh, I think you have to be careful, and and the reason I think you have to be careful is because 
once you have someone that's been facilitating for the team on a regular basis who is external to the team and not somebody that that knows intimately what's going on with the team on a daily basis that external facilitator builds up some trust knowledge of the project uh, understanding of the issues that the project is facing history of issues that have been faced and so there's a common thread that that external facilitator has and switching uh, with frequency and can break that up now if you if you rotate on a very regular basis then it's kind of like pair switching right where the more you the the more you switch the the more that that thread of conversation that thread of knowledge is shared but if you kind of haphazardly are switching it could cause some issues with with trust and uh, and keeping a continuous thread. Yeah, if you if you always have an external facilitator, I think that switching can be kind of harmful uh, unless you're doing it very frequently and with the same couple of facilitators. So we're we're talking. We had started to talk about some retrospective exercises, and uh, I'd like to get into that topic more. Very often. By default, Ben and Amos, I see teams starting off with the very, very boring exercise of what do we want to change, what do we want to keep doing, and what do we want to stop doing? It's like so, so boring to just go through that, that same three things every time. You know, it's, it's like total drudgery. And, uh, and, and I know that there are exercises that we can use. And I'd like to maybe discuss some of those here. So, Ben, you already mentioned the, uh, I think, anchors and sales as one of, one of the uh, exercises to try. Uh, what are some other, others of your favorites, Ben, that you like to use? Okay. Well, uh, one thing you can do, by the way, if you're used to the basic questions, just ask some other questions in there. And uh, when I actually started doing retrospective with, with teams uh, as a way to change the, the, the project reflections that we had. I started using the questions that Norm Kurt uh, used in his book, which also includes what did you learn and uh, what surprises you. And then actually uh, the, the, the last question has figured some interesting answers in there in, in retrospective. So it could be just as easy as adding in some other question already to juice up your retrospective. I think another thing you can do is uh, do a retrospective where you'll be uh, focusing much more on the strengths of the team. So instead of looking what went wrong, you want to be looking on what went right, what went very well, and why did it go so well? What's, what's the strength that team members have, and what can you, how can you use those strengths to address any issues that the team is facing right now or might be facing in the next iteration? Uh, another uh, retrospective game, which I also uh, like a lot, is, is, is the car brand, where you ask people to say what kind of car that they would like to be or that they would like their team to be, and then start asking why they would like that car brand, why they think that, that that brand of car would be the best brand to do it, and why that would help their team to be successful. Because that also brings up how the team uh, perceives themselves and what they think that are the, the strengths that the team has. So that's a different exercise you can do in there. Uh, another exercise which I've used uh, also in retrospectives is the, the perfection game, where you basically just ask to give a, a figure to how the last sprint went 
on a scale from 1 to 10. Ask why it makes that figure. So what, what was it that the team did so good? What was it that made it reaching that figure? And what you could do to make it perfect, to make it a 10. And that actually, uh, the strength of the protection game is that people have to motivate the figure that they're given there. If they say that it's only a 6, then they will have to motivate how to get it to a 10. And if they say it's a 10, they would have to motivate why they think it's a 10. And it's the motivation which makes the retrospective interesting. And uh, Ben, what, what kind of is the flow when you, when you do these games? How much time, how much, let me ask you a, a kind of a basic question. How much time do you allocate typically to your retrospectives? Is it team dependent or do you always try and time box it to like say an hour or two hours? And the reason I ask is because I think that's something that you have to consider when you're when you're figuring out um, if you're going to use one of these exercises, right? Because you want to you want to kind of time box it so that you can save time for generating insights and deciding on actions and such. Correct? Yeah, that's true. Uh, most of the retrospectives are about an hour to an hour and a half. Some of them could even be shorter if you really folks in there and have a facilitator focus on the timekeeping in there. But most of the time, if you take take an hour, an hour and a half, you can get enough out of it. If it, if it appears during the retrospective that there are some issues there which need more time, then you can, can decide with the team to take the time at that point in time or do it at a later date, whatever the team would suit in there. So uh, if, if an inter- retrospective keeps on dragging, I think that's not a good thing. So the the purpose of doing these games and, and exercises, rather, uh, even though sometimes we call them games, is really to get to uh, a, a discovery of of something that the team can can do better and that the team could improve on, right? Yeah, that's the basic idea is indeed to to, to find better. But if you look for that, that solution focused exercise, so we're focusing on strength. It can also be to understand team strengths and to see how they could use that in the next iteration, which could be something which could be very valuable, for instance, in a, in a planning game. If they're picking up work and seeing, do we have the right strengths, the life skills in our team to do the work that we need to do? And the solution focus perspective have the team to get more insight in, in what the team can do and what their strengths are. So most of the time, it's looking at, indeed, issues that you want to address or things that you want to improve in there. But it could also be just to get a better understanding of how the team is working, which, which can help them on a day-to-day basis. I think, I think so that sometimes we also, like I try to choose games once in a while that just motivate the team. Maybe it's not looking for a change, but just like like you said, the um, strengths game is, is a good way to get people to recognize their own value and, and to push forward as, as part of the team. And I think that that is quite often just as important as finding out whether the team needs to change. Exactly. And and I've also had teams where I did a retrospective where I was purely focusing on, on getting the number of actions down. And I found out that they've been doing two or three retrospectives and not really making any progress on the actions that they got out of previous retrospectives. Then you don't want to look for new actions, but you want to go one level deeper and find out why you're not able to do the actions and reduce on the action that they have right there. Okay, let's spend some time then, Ben and Amos, talking about 
what are the things, what are some things that we can maybe improve upon uh, by way of retrospectives? We've, we've talked about using and leveraging these exercises and these games to identify uh, areas where we could possibly improve. But what are some of the areas that a team should, should focus in on for improvement? Uh, ben, I guess we'll start with you on that one. Yeah, this is something where I look at what, what can you expect from retrospectives. What, what is the kind of action that you expect to get out of there? And what's the kind of thing that you would like to improve in there? And, and there's a couple of things which, which can come up. If, if you look at retrospectives and look at, at teams and iterations, say that you would like to improve on things like lead time or cost. But what I've seen with most of the Agile teams, that's not really a, a valid goal that you would like to improve upon. I think the same is basically true for velocity. I think in, in the long run, retrospects will help to increase the velocity. But if you just put down velocity as a goal to find the actions to come out of the retrospectives, then I don't think that that's really something that will help you with that. But what I see for most of the retrospectives is that they try to focus on improving the collaboration, both collaboration within the team and the collaboration from the team with stakeholders that are working together with the team, being uh, line managers or product owners or project leaders or whatever the stakeholders, customers that the team is working together with. And I think the other thing to focus upon is basically on, on the development process. So the way that team members are doing their work and directly relates to that, uh, the skills that the team members have, the knowledge that they have, and the ways that they can find to improve the skills and to improve the knowledge that they have in the team. I think if, if retrospectives focus on improving collaboration, team working, and improving the development process that the team is using, then that can lead to an improvement of the velocity and the productivity of the team. So velocity, uh, quality, the uh, overall performance of the team, uh, the ability, the the ability of the team to effectively operate. These are all sorts of things that are fair game when we're talking about trying to make uh, overall improvements. But it's not simply limited to those areas. Is is what I'm reading from this because sometimes there are issues that a team is having simply with uh, maybe getting along, maybe personalities. Um, maybe dealing with external forces that are affecting the team. So there's, there's a number of other things that I think the team can and, and sometimes has to deal with in a retrospective. But ultimately, what we really want is for all of that to equate back to the team being more effective, uh, the team producing higher quality products, etc. So one of the things that I always advocate for, Ben and Amos, is that Teams not only um, make, a, make a commitment to making one, two, three, four, some number of improvements between when the retrospective ends and when the next one occurs, but there's also some amount of measurement that has to occur to determine, did the change that we made have the expected impact that we expected it? To have, you know, it's the old scientific method of having this hypothesis of we're going to make this improvement and we expect some sort of outcome so that we can determine did the change that we made have the impact that we wanted it to or expected it to. 
do you guys spend time talking with the team about uh, not only the improvement to make, but then how to measure the effectiveness of the improvement that you've made? Uh, I, for one, like often try to try to figure out one way to to measure things, but sometimes things are pretty complicated to measure and um, may may not mean a whole lot. There may not be anything really good that you can measure. So one thing that uh, I try to do is on every retrospective, I ask the team, all of them, we come up with an average of uh, how productive do you how productive do you think the team is? One being we're we're not productive at all, we haven't done anything, and ten being we're running on all cylinders. There's no way we could go faster. And then the other one is just how happy are you? Yeah, ha- happiness how is a other that we're tracking. It, happiness affects a lot of things, and and just how you how each individual feels about everything that's going on even when i'm tracking other metrics like cycle time or anything like that it's you can often see that reflected in the happiness that that people put down happiness Uh is definitely important what do you think ben yeah i I agree with that i think happiness and people having fun in team enjoying being in a team and working together with people in team i think that's very important I've actually seen some some teams recently you are using a definition of fun as a way to track during the sprint already if they're really having fun in there and how that would show off as a kind of not only a definition of fun but also a definition of fun for the team which they consider important in there. Uh, Regarding uh, really, really measuring the results of a retrospective, I think in the long run and and that should be within a couple of sprints uh, normally velocity should, should improve if the uh, people are really working with the retrospectives, either because they're able to do the work that they are doing better or because they're reducing their technical depth and, and having less quality probably it also gives them more time to deliver functionality to their customers. That also makes their, their velocity going up. But I'm a bit reluctant to really put it as a target in there because basically uh, you can't directly improve the velocity or the productivity of your team. You can indirectly work on, on the causes which are slowing down the team or things that, that could increase the velocity. But it's not something you can directly tune and say, okay, I'm going to change my velocity from 10 to 12 in the next sprint. And I agree with you on that, Ben. And, and I don't always try and tie every, uh, every goal, every action that the team takes back to, say, velocity or, or, or performance or quality. But I do think that it's important that the team have a goal that uh, they can they can measure themselves against so that once once we get back together at our next retrospective and we talk about okay we agreed that we were going to make this specific change on the team well, we can measure did we make that change maybe it's something very tangible we're going to do this instead of doing that but then did it have did it have the effect that we expected it to so that we can determine if if the change that we made was valuable or if it's something that we need to reconsider, is that a valuable change because it didn't have the expected outcome that we thought it would have? And, and so that's why it's important to me to always have uh, some way to measure success with making a change so that the team has the opportunity to consider if they want to continue on with, with the improvement that they've made 
or think more about, is there some other way that we can get the outcome that we were hoping to have by making the change that we ultimately made in the retrospective? Amos, what do you think about um, measuring changes so that the team can, can uh, make, make changes with some predictability and, and, and with some um, in- intentionality, if you will? I, I think that's great. Like if you can say, if, if you have something that you've already been measuring and you can say, oh, we want to have a 10% improvement by next week because we're going to try this thing or some, some level of improvement because we're going to try this, this other practice or um, just some kind of change in the way we work so you can track whether that affected that or not. It's great. I mean, the, the only, the only metrics that, um, are bad metrics are the ones that you realize that you should have collected and you haven't. So as long as we've talked about metrics a lot in the past, but as long as you, you have something to measure against, then great. But if you say, Hey, this week we're going to collect a number of bugs we have reported and you haven't really been collecting that metric in the past, it, it doesn't matter. You can't see what that improvement is. So don't, don't collect a metric. Uh, after you decided to make the change, make sure you have a collection beforehand so that you can see what 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 response that you know, change does. And I and I don't want to get too hung up on on the word metric here. Uh, sometimes a metric is important for measurement of success, but it, I I don't want to make this weird correlation or this hard correlation between tracking agile Scrum metrics and being able to measure the effectiveness of a change that the team makes i mean sometimes <clears throat> sometimes the the metric or the measurement is like you said happiness so maybe we're not you know we obviously can't track happiness on our on our scrum workboard or our kanban board at least maybe not easily i'm sure there is a way to do it but if you if you want to make a change with the focus of improving the happiness of the team all you need to know is what our happiness is today and then remeasure what that happiness is uh, at the, at the next retrospective time. So uh, there are correlations between metrics and measurements in this particular case. My point is that we just need to be able to effectively measure. Did we, did we attain the goal that we set for ourselves in the retrospective? Yeah. And I think that's important indeed to set some expectation why you want to do an action, what you expect to get out of that and to check in the next iteration, did you meet those expectations? And if you didn't meet them, what can you learn out of that? Right. There's, there's always a, a learning potential there, even if you, as you said, Ben, if you don't attain that goal, there's, there's more that could be learned and, and more that can be improved upon. And, and Ben, one of the things that I think you started to touch on earlier um, was the concept of sometimes the improvement that you want to make is something that you're already good at. And teams often get hung up on, uh, we need to fix all of our broken windows. We need to fix the things that we're bad at. Sometimes a team can have more success by improving on something that they're already pretty good at rather than focusing on something that they're not so good at and, uh, and can elevate the performance and maybe their happiness on the team by focusing on making improvements in areas where they're already good at something. So 
Just because you're good at something, the point I want to get across is just because you're good at something doesn't mean you can't get better at it and talk about it in your retrospectives and set goals for improving it. True. And I think in some cases you should actually accept that some things you are not good at, that your team is not good at, something that, that you simply have to live with. Live with it or find a way to outsource it or bring in circumvent it in whatever way but make sure it's not hampering you too much but not something that you should be focusing upon and changing changing for any reason yeah i think that's an excellent point uh amos what do you think about getting getting better at something you're already good at as opposed to trying to get better at something that you're not so good at i i think it works very well to to play off your strengths you you can often have greater improvement in that area and even realize in those areas that, hey, we're not doing it perfectly. And because we're already good at this, it, it's a confidence builder too to, to see that move forward. So we only have a few minutes left. Let's talk about how often teams should get together to have retrospectives. I think the, the common, uh, the most common retrospective time is at the end of a sprint or at the end of a, an iteration, depending on uh, the terminology that you use. Ben, what do you tell teams about how often they should have retrospectives? I think that that's basically what I tell teams when they start uh, working as a team and using Agile. And where I urge them to make their, their iteration, their sprints as short as possible. So if they're aiming for uh, three or four weeks, I check with them, why not make them two weeks? Make them a shorter sprint because that's providing you more opportunities to learn and to improve yourself to see how you are doing. And once teams get more mature, you can do them more often and you actually see teams who are doing them also during the standoffs or during any other occasion and, and not really planning to do real retrospective uh, meetings every sprint because they're doing much improvements along the way already and then they might only do them every two or three spins and then get together with stakeholders and make them into a big respect or something like that. Okay, and Amos, um, what do you tell teams about how often they should get together for retrospectives? I think at a, a bare minimum, uh, I, I usually try to say at least weekly, and uh, we've even had... Um, like many retrospectives, I call them like uh, every time you pair switch, uh, have a mini retrospective uh, at, at the pair switch time with with all of the like four pairs that are coming in. Wait a second, you tell people to have a mini retrospective during during every pair switch. How how could that be possible? Uh, they just they talk they talk about the their current focus and um, maybe what they could have. Uh, done done better in that the last pairing time uh, and how they think that the new incoming pairs can help move forward um, and do better this next time and and do they uh, do they gather insights and make uh, improvements or is it really an informal sort of it's, thing it's, it's very informal uh, sometimes story focused but uh, always say try to capture that as part of the uh, comments or the history on the story. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about 
uh, as we're wrap up, wrapping up here, our favorite retrospective games to facilitate and what it focuses on. Amos, I think, I think you wanted to uh, discuss this. I'll tell you guys what my favorite game is or exercise is. Mine is called Radar. And uh, the way Radar works is that you or you and the team all decide on the important abilities, the important skills uh, that the team needs to be good at to help them be effective. And you lay these skills out along kind of a star-shaped pattern uh, where each, each point radiating out from the center represents, represents one of the skills that the team should be good at. And then you give yourself, you have the team self-rate on, uh, on some scale, maybe 1 to 10, 1 to 5. And then you, you, track, you track that for each skill, for each ability, what the rating is. And over time, you can build up a really nice pictogram, if you will, of uh, how, how good the team is at these skills and abilities and track is the team getting better. Uh, are they regressing on those skills and abilities? And then use that radar chart as a way to generate insights and ideas for improvements. Amos, uh, what's your favorite retrospective exercise slash game? Uh, so I don't know if anybody else has ever done this. I kind of made it up when I was uh, facilitating, but you know, I, I wouldn't doubt that someone else has done this. Is when I find teams that um, maybe are having a hard time uh, about what the issues are out loud, uh, I like to give. Uh, this is just fun to facilitate. I think. Uh, I have them make wanted posters of problems that they see. Just each person pick one, and they add, they personify that problem with like an actual person and describe the things that that person has done, like that you might read in a in a wanted poster, like they've the problems they've caused and things like that. And then after all those are up on the board, everybody on the team um, gets to put monetary values to that and add that all up, and that's like the the reward of that guy and that helps determine um maybe which which of those is a top priority to start working on and and allows people to do it in a fictitious manner uh so that they're not they don't have to say i've had this problem they can say you know this this personification of this problem causes all of these things and kind of have fun with it and it kind of pulls away from being part of themselves to, to being an external thing that sounds like a lot of fun. I've, I've got to make sure I give that one a try in the future. Uh, ben, what's your favorite retrospective game that you like to facilitate? Well, there's, there's actually two, but uh, they're very distinct in when you would like to do them. And uh, the one would be the one word retrospective, what you would like to do when the team really had a hard time in a sprint. And then you want team members just to, to use one word to mention how the retrospective went, how they're feeling about it. And, it could be the first person, the second or the third person, but one of them is going to say that it sucked and then you're really getting into a discussion what happened in the team and what you can do to address it. And the other one would be at the far end if things went very well in the team, which is asking why. And then you basically just want to build an understanding in the team why they are doing so great, what makes them so good and what they are doing right now and to really build a shared understanding in the team of the strengths and of the things that they are doing and see how they can build on that to improve further. So both of them use one word, but in one, one situation, it's the person in the retrospective saying the word, 
and the other situation is facilitator asking why as the one word to get an understanding. Well, those are great. I've I've never done. Uh, I don't think I've ever done those those exercises in a retrospective. So I'm going to have to see if I can squeeze squeeze all of these suggestions in. I feel like we could. I feel like we could talk just for days and days about um, good exercises to use and how to use them. And there's so many out there, and there's there's so many bright people that are coming up with new ways to help teams identify ways to improve. It's it's really exciting to see all of the different exercises that people are using and why they're using them and how they're using them and the, the results that they're having. Was that a challenge? Ben, was that a challenge for you as you and Luis were writing the book about how to get value out of agile retrospectives? Well, well, it actually was because uh, we started this book because we've been writing uh, blogs on, on the kind of retrospective exercises you can do and we were reading each other blogs and reacting on that and finding out, hey, we want we want to find a better way uh, to share this kind of retrospective exercise with our readers and with other people who are interested in it. That's actually how we got to this book. So the meat of the book are the retrospective exercises which are in there. And we had to limit ourselves not putting in too many exercises into this book to, to really keep it a pocket book and keep it a small book that people could use in there. But you already see Lots of exercise which we've been blogging on recently that, that we want to add in the next version of the book. So there's, there's going to be more in there. Uh, are you guys intending to keep uh, keep updating this book as uh, as you learn things, as you find new exercises that you want to include, etc.? Yeah, we're, we're thinking about it right now. If we have new exercises, we're putting them on our blogs as a way to to share them with the readers. We're not not intending to do an update every week or the book for every two weeks. I, I've had some Limpa books where authors were doing that and, and actually getting a new version of the book every two or three weeks is a little bit too much. Maybe I'm not, not an HR reader right uh, right now to, to, to handle that kind of situation. So not not too frequent delivery, please, on books. Just, just do it once every one to two months should be enough in there. But we're, we're blocking on those exercises. We're getting feedback on them from, from the people that we are doing. And we're, we're looking for ways to include them in, in the book in the future. That's great. Amos, did you have something? You, you seem like you had something you wanted to add there to the conversation. Uh, I forgot what it was. I was, I was smiling off what I just uh, I was laughing about uh, Ben saying not, not an agile reader enough to release stuff out every week or two. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, the book that Ben and Louise have done, um, and and I just want to say thanks for putting it out there and and making it available for free is really awesome. But uh, uh, I, I would encourage anybody who decides to get the book to go ahead and um, go through and, and pay some money for the book because it's it's pretty fantastic, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. I know one thing for me was the Five Wise retrospective. I've done this many times but never thought about drawing a, uh, a graph of the cause and effects. And I think that is, is pretty, pretty good visual idea and to help move the conversation along. I've actually done this in a retrospective training at one, one time with a team where I was working with, and they brought in their own issues in, into the training to discuss them in there. And at the end of the training, they were taking photos of the board and taking them back to the workplace. But that was a very valuable training for them. 
So one more time uh, before we close up on the, our discussion section, the name of the book is Getting Value Out of Agile Retrospectives by Ben Linders and Luis Gonzalez. And you can find the link to the book in our show notes at thisagilelife.com. And both Amos and I, Amos has read the whole book. I have not finished reading the whole book yet, but we're, we've both learned, I think, quite a bit from, from reading this book and encourage you all to check it out as well. This week's hottest picks. Amos, what's your pick? This is something that uh, one of our other co-hosts who comes on sometimes, Craig, and I have done. Um, I, I don't know if there's any other name for it. Craig and I searched around and tried to find one. Uh, it's called We call it an introspective, which is really just a, a one-on-one retrospective. So um, if you... If you hear that there, you might have some issues yourself that you need to work through if you know that you do, or you hear that someone else on the team is, or if someone on the team is complaining at you uh, uh, about someone, go grab that person and sit down and have like a one-on-one retrospective. You be their facilitator and take them through to figure out why the problem exists and what they themselves can do. Uh, It's pretty powerful, and uh, I really like it. I'd like to encourage other people to try it, do that on your teams, uh, just like a one-on-one retrospective. And there's a blog post that Craig wrote up about uh, a recent one that I did with him. And I will be writing a blog post from the facilitator's point of view. Great. Thanks for the pick, Amos. Ben, what's your pick for our show today? Well, my pick is something that, that I'm still trying to figure out and where I see also more of my customers are trying to figure out in there. And that's about what, what should and what shouldn't an agile project manager do. Uh, I'm working with, with many organizations who are used to, to running projects and when they start working with agile teams more and more and certainly when they go into uh, Kanban teams uh, which are doing work in much more continuous delivery, they're trying to figure out what an agile project manager should do. And I think most of the organizations think that they still need a project manager and, and I think that's true. I think there's still a lot of good things that project manager can do. But they're trying to figure out what they should be doing, but most importantly, what they should not be doing and what they should leave to the team. And do you have suggestions for what uh, the Agile project manager should and should not do? Or a resource where we can find out more about that? Well, well, well actually, uh, there's, there's some ideas, of course, in there say that what an agile project certainly should not do is be very directive to a team and telling team members what to do and trying to do things like planning in there. And I know that can be tempting, certainly in situations where teams are not able to do the planning and, and to come up with some reasonable estimates where, where they expect to be two or three or four sprints from now or even further away. I think even at that point in time, a project manager should be uh, coaching a team and helping a team to learn ways to, to, to plan and track their work instead of doing the planning themselves. That's one thing where, where a project manager should take another role in there. I think a, an agile project manager should be a facilitator for a team and, and help them in, in arrange things in your organization so that the team is able to do their work. And I think that's something where they can be very beneficial. Great. I think that's an excellent tip for teams to consider, Ben. Uh, here's my pick, guys. Uh, there's a uh, a retrospectives group on LinkedIn 
where there's discussions constantly going on about how to do retrospectives, exercises to use, uh, ways to improve the quality of your retrospectives. And I will include in the show notes the link to the LinkedIn group on retrospectives. And Ben, it sounded like there was also a Yahoo retrospectives discussion group. So I will go ahead and include a link to the Yahoo group as well in our show notes. Yeah, I think that's great. The, the Agile, uh, the Yahoo group is a group for retrospective facilitators to, to share their experiences to learn from each other. Those are very beneficial communities to be part of. Okay, yeah. uh, we want to go ahead and wrap up today. And uh, since Luis could not be with us today, we wanted to tell you where you could connect with Luis and find out more about him. You can find Luis on Twitter. His handle is L-G-O-N-C-A-L-V-E-S-1979. We'll have a link to Luis's Twitter profile in the show notes. Amos, where can folks find you on the internet? Well, as always, you can uh, read my uh, ugly blog posts at dirtyinformation.com or you can find me on GitHub or Twitter at adcron, A-D-K-R-O-N. Very good. I think we pretty much know where we can find Amos nowadays. <laughs> ben, where can folks find out more information about you on the internet? Okay, they can follow me on Twitter, uh, Ben Linders, and they can also uh, look at my website, www.benlinders.com or www.retrospectives.eu. Excellent. Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me there. I enjoyed it very much, John. Great. And uh, I'm John Sextro. You can follow me on Twitter at JC Sextro. You can also find my website, johnsextro.com, to find out more about me. And be sure to check out the website for the podcast at thisagilelife.com. Out there we'll have the show notes from today, including the links to the book, Getting Value Out of Agile Retrospectives. And you'll be able to connect with us on our private Google Plus community, should you so desire. All that information is available on the website. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at This Agile Life. So check it out. And stay in touch with us. Tell us what you think. Send us your tweets and your ideas for future shows. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.